In 2022, the Child Poverty Reduction Advisory Council began meeting in New York with the goal of crafting a roadmap for state policymakers to follow in order to reduce child poverty by half over the next decade in the Empire State. According to statistics from 2019, one in five New Yorkers under the age of 18 were living in poverty. To consider how the governor's budget proposal might combat poverty, as well as weigh in on other steps already in the works, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Jason Cohn, Chief Public Policy Officer for Robinhood, a nonprofit focusing on poverty in the five boroughs, and is represented on the state's Child Poverty Reduction Advisory Council, which is known by the terrible acronym of CPRAC. Welcome back to the show, Jason. Thank you, David. It's great to be back. So the governor didn't mention child poverty specifically in the prepared remarks uh, for her state of the state address or budget presentation. So is there anything in her 2024 agenda that you think could make a difference in New York's uh, rate of child poverty, either because it's specifically targeting child poverty or because it could have trickle down effects? You're right, David. She didn't mention it explicitly. She talked a lot about the challenges of affordability for New Yorkers, which was good to hear because it really does link back to child poverty. And one of the key areas that she mentioned that could make a difference immediately for children, not necessarily driving down the poverty rate, but make an important difference are her commitment to continue Medicaid coverage for children from birth to the age of six without having to have their parents recertify them for Medicaid coverage. That's really important to make sure there aren't gaps in healthcare and other services. She also talked about making some changes to the reimbursement rates for early intervention. These are the services that like speech and occupational therapy that children, when they receive an evaluation, the state is required to provide those services. That's important because there's been a 500% increase in the wait list for those types of services. And there are big racial discrepancies between black and white children across the state in terms of them accessing those services in a timely manner. Also, some things around um, early literacy that were important as well, but she didn't address it head on. And that's something that we hope she will do and that the legislature will push her to do as they negotiate the budget moving forward. Last year, in analyzing the governor's executive budget proposal and its potential impact on combating child poverty, one of the areas while not directly linked to child poverty, but could have an effect on child poverty, it was the governor's plan to increase the supply of housing in New York and potentially decrease the cost of housing, addressing that affordability issue you mentioned. How, if at all, does the latest housing proposal from the governor potentially address child poverty? It was important to hear her make a commitment to addressing the lack of affordable housing across the state. Um, It's a a major crisis. Um, Half of all, um, particularly New York City households, are rent burdened. That means they spend at least 30% of their income on rent. Most, it's more than half. You know, as we can expect, every household has only so much income. And if they're spending the bulk of their resources or a huge majority of their resources on their housing costs, they're not able to invest in their children in other ways. And what we found through research is that when low-income families in particular are given things like cash assistance, like was the case through the federal child tax credit, they spend it on their children. They make sure that they have enough to eat, that they um, get the you know books for school, other services and supports. Um, so it's incredibly important that we address that. The gap, though, from what the governor put in her 
state of the state and budget is that most of her proposals are about building more housing in the long term, which is really important, but won't help those New Yorkers that are struggling right away. And that's why we're hoping that the legislature will again support the creation of a program called the Housing Access Voucher Program, which would essentially provide vouchers from anywhere to 13,000 to 20,000 households across the state for those families that are rent burdened to help alleviate that cost of housing for them. That's something that in tandem with a longer term plan to build housing is really needed. And that's the main gap. Uh, that we saw and what the governor has presented this earlier this month in terms of really tackling both child poverty and the unaffordability of housing today in the state. In terms of tackling child poverty head on, the only thing I could find in the governor's budget briefing book was uh, a reference to uh, anti-poverty efforts in Rochester, Syracuse, and Buffalo, and plans to uh, invest uh, a total of $50 million in one-time federal TANF resources in locally driven anti-poverty initiatives in those upstate cities where poverty is particularly highly concentrated. Is this a meaningful use of resources? Child poverty is a complex issue, and it's always good to see um, government investing in different ways to tackling it. Um, But what we've seen through um, the Child Poverty Reduction Advisory Council, as you noted, that dreaded CPRAC um, acronym, is that they're actually very time-tested and evidence-based kinds of policies already that we could be doing right now. And so last last session, finally, after many decades, um, the state agreed to lift um, essentially making uh, children under the age of four eligible for the Empire State Child Credit. That's the state's version of a, a federal tax credit. For decades, children under four were not allowed to receive that benefit. Um, And so that was lifted. That's benefited about 800,000 children across the state. But it still didn't utilize um, the best sort of gold standard for that type of policy, which is make sure that the lowest income families access the policy. Right now, about a quarter of children in the state don't qualify for that benefit, or at least the maximum benefit, because they earn too little. And our, you know, and the power of these tools like tax credits are when they reach the lowest income households. So we're we're really these are the kinds of policies we need to really um, to maximize their benefit. The devil's in the details. So we'd like to see things like you know the governor finishing that work on that policy, um, while at the same time, of course, testing other ways to tackle this issue. But we need to do the things where there's huge amounts of evidence, um, and if the state were able to close that gap on the state credit and invest in things like the working family tax cre- family tax credit that Senator Gennardis and Assemblymember Hevesy have proposed, along with others, that would make a huge deal in terms of lifting child poverty, could cut it by at least 17% if the working families uh, tax credit were to be put in place. Well, before we move on, let me reintroduce you for listeners uh, just joining us. We're speaking with Jason Cohn, Chief Public Policy Officer for Robinhood, a nonprofit focusing on poverty in the five boroughs and is represented on the state's Child Poverty Reduction Advisory Council. And you brought up some of the child tax credit reforms, which are cited in the uh, end of the year report from the Advisory Council on some of the things that the Hoke administration has uh, accomplished in, in the last uh, two years toward combating child poverty. They also note the uh, investment of federal dollars for child care, uh, increasing the state's minimum wage, and as well as some public benefits reforms. 
we talked about the tax credit. Anything else stand out to you from the governor's first uh, two budgets that will make a real difference uh, in combating child poverty? The investments in childcare have been incredibly important. Um, right, we were just talking about housing costs. Right, or for housing, um, childcare is one of the the largest costs that families are having to incur. The state, um, with the governor and the legislature's leadership, have have increased who's eligible for childcare vouchers, which help to defer almost all of the cost of childcare. That's really important um, because not only is it beneficial if children receive high quality childcare but also uh, helps families uh, return to work, uh, earn more. And so, again, these are policies where the investments in childcare, for every dollar taxpayers are investing in that, um, we're seeing about an $8 return potentially based on um, some analyses from economists at Columbia University. Um, but what's really important, I think, is really comes up a number in a number of places in the governor's um, budget proposal is the devil isn't really in the detail and how do these policies precisely target um, the most vulnerable the, the you know the households across New York that need assistance the most and so for example with child care the governor uh, in December late December vetoed uh, a piece of legislation that was meant to really make sure that types of child care that's subsidized by the state um, actually meets the needs of families. Um, and one of the problems is, is right now, those childcare vouchers only pay for hours when uh, a parent or a caregiver is working. It doesn't cover their commuting time. It doesn't cover other gaps to allow them to um, to to actually um, have some space to do the things they need to do while having their child uh, in daycare. And the governor vetoed that. It's really an important way to make this investment in childcare actually meet the families where they are. Um, and so we were disappointed that she vetoed that in December. We we're disappointed that she didn't include that um, in her current proposal because the main reason she vetoed it was she said that the legislature had not put enough money to cover that cost. So it's just an example of where we can do better in terms of making sure the policies really meet people where they are and where they're, they need the most help. What is the plan moving forward for the Child Poverty Reduction Advisory Council to analyze this executive proposal in a more formal way? And do you anticipate you'll be coming out with a report, I guess the council will be coming out with a report that state lawmakers can use to inform how they respond to this proposal? So the council's required to you know, issue an assessment of the governor's budget including the 30-day amendments. And so the council will convene and do that work. And the assessment is, you know, whether or not the proposals directly or indirectly are impacting child poverty and then has to issue that report to the chairs of both uh, the Senate Finance and the Assembly Ways and Means uh, chairs to inform, you know, the further negotiation. So um, that work is ongoing. Um, I think some of the issues that I've touched on in terms of um, need to address things like making some of these policies more targeted, which we didn't see in the governor's initial proposal, whether it's tax credits or addressing uh, housing affordability. Um, those are definitely concerns that the council will have to wrestle with and and, and negotiate uh, a statement on that. It includes non-governmental appointed members as well as government officials within the executive. And um, and so that, that process is underway. Um, the hope is that the recommendations of the council will be issued at the end of this year, if not sooner. Um, and there will be in the in the council is required to convene public hearings 
across the state during the year. So those are things that will will have to happen over the next year with this council. And the appointed members definitely want to see strong recommendations coming. All the policy is there to really um, cut down on child poverty dramatically in the state to achieve that 50% goal of reduction by the end of the decade. Um, It's just a question of the political will. An analysis of the action taken over the last two years conducted by the Urban Institute found that the state has enacted policies that could uh, potentially impact child poverty by about 7.5%, leaving uh, about 43% that you need to find uh, on your way toward 2032, with the caveat being that some of these steps need to be adjusted for inflation uh, over time to retain their meaningfulness. So right now, do you feel like we're on track to accomplish the goal of reducing child poverty by 50% by 2032? Or do we really need to step up our game here at the Capitol? We're not there yet. The council has to agree on a really bold roadmap. Um, That's a big gap to close. It's not just about the plan that um, the experts on that council craft. It's about whether the governor and the legislature are willing to put the resources towards this problem. And what people don't really talk a lot about is child poverty is not just sort of a humanitarian imperative to address. It costs the state tremendously to have the number of children we have living in poverty. By some estimates, it can cost up to $60 billion a year. And that's because higher health costs for those children, children, unfortunately, in, you know, getting involved in the criminal justice system um, because we lack the investments that are needed, a higher cost for um, if we don't invest in, in you know, young mothers uh, having healthy births, all those things add up. And so uh, what the council has really looked at over the last year since it's, you know, plus since it's convening is that many of the policies we're talking about, they have a huge return on investment. They far exceed many of the investments that the state makes in th- trying to subsidize economic development uh, and other areas. Um, and one just example that just um, the council will probably look at is the state's investment in the paid family leave program. That program for every dollar that the state invested when it created that program back in around 2017, I believe, shows about a $20 return. And that's just looking at mothers being healthier, the children being healthier, and those children eventually earning more and then paying more taxes into the state. So it's it's a challenge. But what the council has learned over the last year is that these investments, they really pay off over time. And the question is, will the governor and the legislature have the political will to make those investments because many of them may not return in their political lifetime? Um, Are they bold enough to, to look beyond their term limits or their time in office to what the state needs for the next two decades? Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this conversation. We've been speaking with Jason Cohn. He is the Chief Public Policy Officer for Robinhood, a nonprofit focusing on poverty in the five boroughs, and is represented on the state's Child Poverty Reduction Advisory Council. Jason, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for giving the time to this critical issue. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capital Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.